truth. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I'm humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Amen. Our scripture today, where we've been for the last five weeks, is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. It says, finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in a way that pleases God. As we have taught you, you live this way already, and we encourage you to do so even more. For you remember what we taught you. Do you remember? You know, we've been here for five, this will be the fifth week. I hope y'all remember some of the things you've been taught. We didn't just teach this in our own authority, but we taught it by the authority of the Lord Jesus. Amen? You may be seated. Well, this is going to be our fifth and final sermon in this series that we've centered around the question, you know, how are you living? And I've said that the intent of this question is for us to take some time and do a self-examination uh, where we study our own behaviors and, and our motivation, a time where we allow the Spirit of God and the, and the Word of God to, to talk, cause us to take an introspective and self-contemplative look at ourselves. Because each one of us have to answer the question, how you're living for yourself, Amen. You, you can't answer it for your husband. You can't answer it for your wife. You're going to have to answer that question for yourself. We just find live this way is how we act or conduct ourselves. The second definition says to control and order our behavior in a way that pleases the Lord. In other words, we want to please God and we want to glorify Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, the word live implies a continuous action. And it means to keep on living. So it's not something that we do one day and we stop. It's something that we habitually do as we walk through life trying to glorify God with our life. We ought to be living right on our job, in our home, everywhere we go, we ought to be representing the Lord. Amen? And if we're going to represent him, there is a way that he expects us to live. Amen? Last week, we spent a moment talking about living in harmony and in peace with one another, and we closed showing that we have an obligation to live in love with one another. Amen? We said the Apostle Paul made it, you know, emphatically clear that, that love is a debt that you will never pay off. Amen? God is going to always let you know that you owe him love. If he would cancel that debt for you, then he will be canceling himself because we made it clear that God is love. And so therefore, if we're his representative in the earth, we have his DNA in us, then he expects us to be love. Amen? Now today we're going to go to uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 through 14. It'll be my first turn, and we're going to wrap this up. He said, hear the Apostle Paul. It's a powerful prayer and thanksgiving that he was praying for the Colossian church. Now, this church had heard the word from one of Paul's associates, Epaphras. And once the word got back to Paul, 
you know, how faithful this church was and how they loved everybody and how they tried to do what God was calling them to do, once that was reported, Paul decided that it was important for him to pray for them. And he was praying that God would give them what they needed to live in a way that would always honor and please the Lord. You know, when people are trying to live right, somebody needs to be praying for them. Amen. You know, when you're trying to live on the right track, we need to be praying for one another because as you're trying to live right, there's going to be forces that try to get you to live in another way. And somebody needs to pray for you and encourage you to keep living the way God has got you living right now. Don't stop now because things may get tough. And this church was undergoing some persecution, so therefore he was trying to encourage them, say, look, you guys are doing okay, and I want you to keep living even in the midst of what you're going through. Living for the Lord is not something we do just when the season is right and in our life it's on everything is good. We, we have to serve him and live for him even when all hell is breaking loose in our lives. So he heard that they was trying to live right and they was loving one another and anytime you try to do right, wrong is going to always be there. The Bible says anytime you try to do good, evil is always present. Somebody needs to be praying for you. <laughs> Because evil is always out there trying to take you down. And so those of you who are doing good, I want to encourage you, keep doing what God is calling you to do. Know that there are going to be forces out there to try to pull you off course, but you got to be determined to stay the course. Amen? He said, now look, he says in verse 9, chapter 1, Colossians, he says, so we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you Complete knowledge. Somebody say complete knowledge. In other words, I want God to give you a full knowledge of his revealed will for your life. I want you to have a mature understanding of who God is. He says, I'm praying that God give you complete knowledge. Not partial knowledge, but complete. Everybody ought to know about Jesus. Who he is, what he represents, what he has done for you. That ought to be a complete knowledge of him in your head so that you know how to represent him in earth. You shouldn't have partial knowledge of who Jesus is. So he's saying, look, I'm praying that you will get complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Somebody say spiritual wisdom. Well, you need spiritual wisdom because there's enough worldly wisdom already out there. Amen. The world, the world got its own standards for wisdom. And if you're not careful, you'll have more worldly wisdom than you will spiritual wisdom. In other words, the ability to, to live a prudent and wise life, life by applying the truth of God's word that you know. See, it's one thing to know what the Bible say. It's another thing to wisely apply it to your life. And when life situation, he said, look, I'm praying that God will give you spiritual wisdom and somebody said understanding. Understanding means that, hey, you can go to class and listen all day long, but if you ain't comprehending what the instructor is saying, you ain't learning nothing. So if this learning process, you got to be able to comprehend, you got to be, be able to process what you're learning so that you make sure that you understand it. Because if you don't understand it, you will not apply it. Amen. So he was praying for that. Hey, I want you to have spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now look at this. The next word in the next verse starts with then. If you get this level of spiritual wisdom, if you get this understanding of complete knowledge, and if you understand what you're being taught, then. 
Then. Somebody say then. Then what does then mean? Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. If you get the understanding, if you get the wisdom, if you get a complete knowledge of who God is, then the way you live will always, not sometime, always honor and please the Lord. Get an understanding. Understanding who you serve, what he has in store for you. Get spiritual wisdom. Try to get a complete knowledge of God. Let your mind be enlightened by the things of God. And then he said, now when that happens, you always honor and please the Lord. And your life will produce every kind of, somebody said good fruit. So if you got to tell you about good fruit, that means there's some bad fruit that you can produce. If you ain't got good understanding, wisdom, and a knowledge, you mess around and produce some bad fruit. Amen? So the intent is for you to be able to produce what? Good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. You ought to be continuously improving your knowledge of God. You're not going to arrive in this life. So there's always the potential for you to learn something else about God that you did not know. And as you know him better and better, you live better and better. See, because once you know him better and better, that knowledge brings you out of ignorance. And in ignorance, we do things that don't line up with God. So therefore, it's important for me to know him better and better. Somebody say better and better. I mean, I want to know him better. Continually, no. That's what, I keep bringing this marriage thing back here, but you know, that's how the relationship's supposed to be. If you done been married to somebody 20 years, 30 years, you ought to know them better. It ought to be some things that just go without saying. Why? Because I know them. I got some understanding. I've been studying them. I got knowledge of them, and I'm wise enough now to know how to deal with them because I already know enough about them to respond to everything they're going to do. Some of y'all get married and then stop learning about each other. You better go back to school. Because you need to know her or him better. Because them rascals change over time. So you got to know when change is coming. Because you know them better. Oh, Lord, that wasn't supposed to be a marriage piece, now, but I just threw that in for free. Look here, he said, now look. He said, now in verse 11, we also pray that you will be strengthened. Somebody say strengthened. With all his glorious power. In other words, this church was going through some trials, some troubles, some tribulation. He said, now look, while you're going through, I want you to be strengthened. I want God to bring you through by giving you his glorious power so that you will have all the endurance and patience you need. When you're going through, you're going to have to have some endurance. You're going to have to have the ability to stay with certain things while you're going through them. And then he says, now, you're going to need patience when you're going through. Because sometimes we go through things, we want to come out of it in a hurry. But sometimes you're going to be there for a while. So he's saying, now look, while you endure, you need to make sure you put on patience. And I like this last part, Brother Wilson. He said, even though you're struggling and going through and you've got patience on you, he said, now look, you ain't supposed to be whining and complaining while you're going through. He said that May you be filled with 
even though you're going, we always want to give that old whining, crying, poor mouth testimony while we're going through, and nobody get no joy out of seeing you whine and cry about your situation. You're going to have to talk with the assurance that God is going to bring you through it, and you're going to do it with Then you got to do this thing with joy. Then he says, while you got your joy, you still got to give God thanks. While you're going through, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Lord, I thank you. I ain't thanking you for what I got going on in my life, but I'm thanking you because I know you're with me while I'm going through. So, so sometimes, you know, we go through, we stop thinking. Amen. We stop saying thank you, God. We stop acknowledging he's still with us. And we forget about that, and that causes us to focus more on what we're going through than focusing on him. He says, now look, always thinking the Father. He has enabled, somebody say enable you. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. Somebody say, I'm living in the light. You got an inheritance. Inheritance is something that is stored up for you at a point in time. So therefore, we, have, we go through knowing that God has an inheritance stored up for us in heaven. And so therefore, this earth is not our final home. So our home is in heaven, so therefore, we have an inheritance, and our going through does not diminish what God has promised us. Amen. And so he said, now look here, so while I got this inheritance, I got to live in the light, as opposed to living in, again, that light kind of tied to knowledge. You know, that's why we say your mind can be illuminated. You get light. You know, when somebody, you talk to somebody, and they get that moment on their face with the light, ah, I got it. We used to say the light is on. That means they kind of got it, Cliff. But when I was in the world, we could say the light can be on, but some folk ain't at home. The light's on, but ain't nothing... Ain't nothing happening there. So, so we want the light to be on, but we want you to be thinking that something ought to be happening while the light is coming forth. While this word is going forth, the light ought to be on, but your mind ought to be processing what you're hearing so you can apply it to your life. If you're sitting here, you're not processing anything. The light is on, but you ain't at home. Your mind somewhere, you're sitting in here. Your mind ought to be in here. Amen. Your buffet gonna wait. So right now, while you're in here, your mind in the right place. You don't even worry about the time. Your mind is open because now I'm trying to learn something. I'm trying to process something, and I can't be processing what God wants me to receive if I'm looking at my. Now I ain't saying this to justify how long I'm gonna preach. I'm gonna preach this long anyway. Y'all know that. But I'm just trying to make a teaching point. There's too many things that interrupt you when the light is already on. Now look here, verse 13. He says, for he has rescued us. Somebody say rescued us. It's already done. He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear. When Jesus died on the cross, he made the payment for us. He made a payment for us, brought us back. And now, guess what happened? He purchased us with son, his son, but look, he says, who purchased our freedom and forgiveness 
of our sins. So I, I got two F words working for me because of Jesus. I'm walking around and I ain't bound up. Ain't gonna let nobody put me back in chains. I know what I used to be and what I used to do, but I ain't gonna be bound up. Because Jesus set me so I'm walking around in freedom, and then I understand no matter what you say, how long you hold a grudge, I've already been for. And because I can walk around that level of freedom and forgiveness, then I walk around with the understanding that the light is on, and I can live as a child of light in this dark world that God got for here. Amen. Somebody better let the light come on today. And once that light, the revelation get into your mind, you got to get into your heart so that you will start living the thing like you're free. Start carrying yourself like you're free. Start talking like you're free. And get, look here, and then start acting like you have been forgiven so you don't walk around like I'm, I'm still guilty. What? No, baby, you've been forgiven. What you've done between the past has no impact on who you are now. Y'all got to stop walking around living in unforgiveness because people put you on guilt trip when you don't know you've been set. Man, when you've been set free and the Lord has set you free, who's free? You're free indeed. So therefore, you can't put me on a guilt trip. You can't make me feel bad about what I used to be. Why? Because God has set me free. You may not forgive me, but you don't have to found a say-so. The one who got the final say so say, hey, you have been for. <laughs> Man, that, that's liberating right there. Just to know that you've been forgiven of something. Just to know that your past is no longer holding you bound. You ought to say, I'm liberated. I've been set free. Now I just got to make sure that I don't have a slave mentality in my head. Because now the only thing that can bind me up to is my own thinking, my own logic, my own understanding. Instead of me understanding what God has already done for me, I refuse to let me put me back in bondage. Amen. Oh, God, help me today. Go to Colossians chapter 4. This is a short verse here, Colossians chapter 4. As, as we live in the light, he said we're supposed to be children of light, we are to live wisely among those who are not believers. And we're supposed to make the most of every opportunity that we get to share the gospel with them. So God saved us, brought us into the light, but he still know that we have the potential to go around darkness. Amen. He didn't save us and, and, and put us in a colony on top of a mountain and told us not to deal with nobody. He expects you to be out there amongst darkness. Light got purpose in darkness. So therefore, your purpose is not around all these light bearers. Your purpose is in the darkness. You got to be light in darkness and not be intimidated when God takes you to some folks that ain't saved. You just got to live right before them. Amen. You got to live wisely before them. You got to live like you know the Lord before unsaved folks. Look at this. He says in verse 5 of Colossians chapter 4, he says, live wisely. Somebody say live wisely. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. So I'm not to live in seclusion from unbelievers. I'm supposed to live amongst them. 
And while I'm interacting with them, I'm supposed to be looking for an opportunity. I ain't just there to be there. I'm there to be light. And so therefore, I am looking for an We go around people all the time, but we're not looking for an opportunity for God to use us and sh- so that we can share the light that we have with others. So we now look here. If we don't live wisely before them, but we're acting foolishly with them, then our light going to be diminished. You ain't going to be able to make the most no opportunity because somebody's going to need to get you out. So you ain't amongst them to be like them. You're amongst them to be light to them. You don't have to go hide and be afraid to go around unsaved folk. Just don't go back to your unsaved way. Because they're still doing some of the stuff you used to do. But you've been set So if you ain't in bondage to your past, going back and being around folk who are doing what you did in the past shouldn't put you back in slavery. But now if you still got an inkling, a urge that may come over you, you don't need to go. Then he said, look, when you're around unbeliever, Brother Wilson, you just can't talk any kind of way. Because unbelievers are listening to everything you say. And some of them, they listen just to hold something against you. So he says, while you're around them, let your conversation be gracious and attractive. You want to say words that will pull people to you, not repel people away from you. So that you will have the right response, response for everybody. You owe everyone an answer who question you about what you believe, why you change. Why are you the person that you are now instead of the person that you used to be? You owe everybody who asked that question an answer. And when you give them that answer, you got to give it to them without beating them up. You don't need to be thumping the Bible when you're talking about you. You're authentic. You're your own testimony. Just tell them about you. And they can relate when you talk about what God has brought you out of. Because now they can identify because what he brought you out of Folks still doing it? You weren't the last of the last? When you stopped, you thought it stopped? The game kept going. Just got some new players. But the game is still the... Oh, Lord. So now, we got to live as children of light in the midst of darkness. And now, our text scripture... And I didn't read the whole context of the text, Brother Cliff, at the beginning because if I had read all this five weeks ago, I probably would have lost some folk. But right now, I'm going to go ahead and share with you the honest truth of what God is trying to get us to do, what he's trying to reveal to us. Because I know when we start talking this level of growth and maturity and light, it turns some folk off. So I at least want y'all to think about how you're living before I hit the off switch. Because some of y'all gonna, gonna just turn off. But I'm gonna read it anyway. I'm obligated to read to you what the word of God says. So now look here, let's keep the light on. Y'all were out there shouting a few minutes ago, lights on. 
Don't leave home right now. This is not the time to leave the light on and you gone. No. Say, Pastor, we're going to stay with you. Say, we're going to stay with you. Confess it out of your mouth. Say, we're going to stay with you. All right now. All right. We got a testimony to work on. Look, he said, now look. In our text scripture, he started by saying, finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you. Somebody say, urge you. We urge you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in a way that pleases God as you have been what? If you haven't been taught, just go back and listen to all five of these messages. I guarantee you've been taught something. And sometimes learning takes place by repetition, so you may have to listen to it over again because you're going to miss something the first time. Amen? Amen. Now look here. He says, you live this way already. Now David doing okay. Look like he should have just left him alone. You live this way already. But now we're going to encourage you to do so even more. So you haven't arrived yet. You still got to continue to grow in the things of God until you become all the way like Jesus. Your goal is to be like him, not like you are right now. Because you're not there yet. You're a long way from where you used to be, but you're not where God want to take you. So therefore, he said, I got to encourage you to do so even more. For you remember what we taught you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. Now, do y'all remember anything? Yeah. You remember what you've been taught. Now, look at this. I should have stopped right there. Taught by the authority of the Lord Jesus. But then he had to come and tell us exactly what God's will is. He he didn't leave nothing to our imagination, Cliff. He said the light is on, and while it's on, I'm going to make sure you see this clearly. He says God's will is for you to be what? Somebody say it like you mean it. Say it like you ain't scared. You're afraid of the word. He says, that's whose will? Now, I done taught you a lot of things, but he's saying, it's God's will, not my will. It's God's will for you to be holy. Somebody say, shout holy. holy. Somebody shout holy. holy. Now, in order to be holy, you got to stay away from some things. See, the reason he had to deal with this issue, it's not an issue here in striving or in America or anywhere else, I don't believe. It was just probably right here, you know, with the church of Thessalonica. See, he had to deal with them like this, Cliff, because back then, sexual sins that we would call it that, that was encouraged. That was a part of life. Everybody just doing them. And with whoever they want to do it with. So, that, you know, they didn't look at that as a bad thing. It was a good thing you like that section it up. They needed their healing. <laughs> but sexing it up and holy don't go together. They're not mutually inclusive. So you can't be one while you're doing another. I told you I saved it for last. This is the last one. I, could, I couldn't go here the first week because I went here the first week. I, y'all would have came back. But since I got, I'm here now, I, you know, I got you this time around. He says, God's will for you to be holy. So stay away from all. Somebody say all. Oh. Sexual sin. Say, say, not some of them. You know, in America, that dog don't even hunt no more. Everybody got to have it. Just got to have. Because folk got to have it. They don't want to stop. But I'm here to tell you that ain't God's 
Just because America want to do it, we ain't supposed to do it. Because it's not God's will. So now look here. He said, to stay away from sexual sin. Then, each of you will control your own body and live in holiness and honor. So it's up to you to control you. The Holy Spirit can't even control you in that area. If, you, if you're just going to cut the fool out there, you're going to do it. The angel ain't going to come down and tie you up and say, refrain. No, the word of God done told you to refrain. So you say, hey, I want you to be holy. And I want you to control your own. It ain't up to the other person. Oh, she just enticed me. She just, no. No, no, ain't how that works. She may came in with nothing on almost, you know, scantily dressed and all that. But you still got to control you. He, he may have came in with six-pack showing. Guns are blazing. <laughs> but you still got to control. Unless he, you know, your husband. If he your husband and guns are blazing, go for it. But if he ain't, all. And, and the reason I'm hitting this because, man, everything I look at now on television, every commercial selling sex, man, you, you can get sex now trying to buy toothpaste. I mean, you out there trying to buy you some Colgate, and the, the person selling to you standing there with nothing on almost. I say, how did, why do they have to be dressed like that just to sell two? Is the toothpaste going to taste better because, because they know how our mind processes certain images. And so what I'm trying to tell you, if you don't know how to control you, you'll contr be controlled by what images in put in, being put in your mind. Trying to sell a car dressed like that. Commercials have a, are made for a reason. They don't spend millions of dollars just to make them so you don't go to McDonald's or Burger King or wherever. They're going to put something out to entice. And so what he's saying is that you can't stop those influences from coming. But you got to control. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor. Live separated or set, set apart for God's use, trying to live a pure and clean life. Honor is, man, look, I want to live with respect and great esteem. You want to be a person of honor. And when you're a person of honor, then you're living in a way that can please God. He says, now, if you're going to live in holiness and honor, then you're going to not live in lustful passion like the pagans. That, that was their nice way of saying the unsaved folk. They call them either pagans or heathens. But here, this Bible uses the word pagans. See, they act like that. Why? Because they do not know God and his ways. You know God and his ways because we just said the light is on. 
And that's why I told you, if light is on, somebody got to be at Because now you know and understand God and his. And then now you want to please him with your. Because you know his. If you don't know his ways, you may have an excuse for ignorance, but you're here today. You can't walk out here and say, well, I didn't know God wanted me to try to live holy. I ain't know that. No, yeah, Cliff, you got it. The light's on now. Don't leave home. Light's on. Now your holiness test going to be tested for the weeks out. Because you don't got the word now. So the enemy got to come and snatch it. I'm going to see how many of them are going to keep that light on. I'm going to just show up unannounced and see how they're going to control their own body. I know it's going to get tough right here, but I got to read it anyway. He says, now, we're not supposed to be living in lustful, lustful passion like the pagans. Now, there was a time when we was the pagans. Amen. Y'all can say, man, you ain't pagans no more. You're here. You're, I'm, I'm giving you the benefit. You're saved. You love the Lord. You're not pagans anymore. You got control of you. So, but that was the time. Now, get this. Because you came out of that, there's somebody else out there waiting to come out of it. But they need you to be the light so that you can open their eyes up and their heart up and their mind up so that they can know that, hey, if he delivered you from it, then he has the potential for him to deliver so he don't want you to become light and then try to brainwash yourself and forget who you were. Man, some of us are certified AKA dogs. Pedigrees. I know y'all don't want to confess now, but you're free. You've been exonerated. Amen. And so therefore, because I'm free now, I got to use my freedom to go and help somebody else to come out of it. And I can't do that if I'm afraid to go around pagans. I can go around the pagans because I know God and his ways. And I ain't going to let them change me just to be with them. Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the Go to my last term, last term. We're going to go to this same book. First Thessalonians chapter 5. And I want to close with the Apostle Paul uh, motivating these believers to live as children of light in the midst of a dark world. But they had to live as if they were expecting Jesus to return. Because that was a big discussion going on around, well, when he's coming back. Everybody had that discussion. Well, when the Lord's coming back? When the Lord's coming back? Nobody knows. The Bible doesn't tell Nobody knows the day or the hour the Lord's coming back. So what he's trying to tell him, instead of you running around now trying to find a calendar to put a date on, you need to be living every day like you're coming back. You need to stay alert. You need to keep your eyes open. You need to stay in the light. As if so, that it don't, if you live like that, it don't matter to you when he come back. Because you're going to be like a, a faithful God on post. You ain't going to be caught sleeping when he comes. You're going to be watching and with the expectation that he's going to come. And whether you are living or dead, it don't matter. 
while you're living here in the earth, you're supposed to be watching as if though he may come back now. Don't you realize if, if Jesus was to tell each one of y'all, uh, you know, uh, n- next week by, you know, next Friday by noon, I'll be back. This would be one different week for all y'all. I mean, I mean yeah, if you knew that, if you had that much information, I guarantee your week would be entirely. Because now you know exactly when he's coming back. So therefore, because you know exactly when he's coming back, and now you're going to get yourself ready because you know. And he's saying, you don't know, that's even more of the reason why you need to be ready. Because he knows that if he told some of us next week, we'll wait till the 11th hour and try to have that deathbed come. I'm going to get it all in and then I'm going to be like the thief on the... Lord, today I want to be with you in prayer. But then some of us are going to be frantically trying to get some stuff in order because we got some stuff that's jacked up. So now what you need to do is you need to start getting that in order right now. If the Spirit of God is revealing to you that something you need to get right, you need to be getting it right now as if he's coming back today. So this is what he was trying to get them to do, to live in a state of readiness so that they would not be surprised no matter when the Lord came back. He says on this in verse 5, chapter 5, verse 5. He says, for all, for you are all children of the light. Somebody say, of the light. So he said, now you are all children of the light and of the day. You don't belong. Somebody said, I don't belong. I don't belong to darkness and night. He's showing a contrast there. Now, it used to be a time most folk didn't do wrong in the daytime. You know, in some countries, it was even wrong to be seen drunk in the daytime. So everybody kind of waited to nighttime. When I was coming up, some of the stuff we did at night, we wouldn't do in the day. Amen. You know, we were out there hanging out. We just, some things we did hanging out. If, if it had been sunlight, we wouldn't have been doing that. Some things we did, we just didn't want folks to see us. Y'all ain't got to say amen. I know I'm telling the truth right there. Yeah, just don't want folks to see us. Because we're living in darkness. And so in darkness, we do things that we wouldn't normally do in daylight. So don't look at darkness strictly as a, a a light and day thing. Look at it as a relationship thing. You know? If you ain't got a purely light-filled relationship, then you'll do some things in the dark that your husband and wife don't know. But if you live, like I'm always living in the and no matter where I go in my house, my wife is with me. Then I don't go off in the corner and go places that I wouldn't take her. I ain't, I'm, y'all got to read between the lines. Now y'all fill in the blank right there. So, so you got to realize you don't belong to darkness and night. You belong to light and day. So we got to live like we belong to light and day. But then he tells us this. Start using the military term. So be on guard. 
not asleep like the others. So that means that there are some people that was around them that was living, but they was living spiritually dull. They were spiritually insensitive to the things that was going on around them, and therefore things that used to prick their nerves and prick their spirit and cause them along, now they done got so used to that their senses have become dull. And because their senses have become dull, they are now living more like darkness than so that's why he tell you to, so be on your guard. Don't sleep like the others. So there are going to be some people that are just going to be sleeping. You just don't need to be one of them. You need to be on alert. So he said, now look, there are going to be some that are going to sleep. So you stay alert and be clear. You know, he used drinking and drunkenness, you know, as an analogy. But that's a good analogy. You know, when you drink too much, your head don't, it's not clear. You know, your logic is just not there. You know, your response time to a situation is slower, off. And he's saying that there are some people that's living in the earth, they walk around, they spiritual drunks. They senses and their response time to things that come in their life is off. So they're getting hit by some pictures that they shouldn't have. Got hit by. Because they are responding in slow. There's a fastball coming, baby. You can't. You done got so dull and your spiritual senses are so weak now that you. And all of a sudden you've been hit with it. How did this show up in my life? You were asleep. Showed up because you went to sleep. If you stay alert, you would have saw the pitch. And he said, now look, clear, clear-headed. You got to get some of the clutter out, too. We just got too much stuff going through our minds sometimes that keeping us from thinking clearly. Somebody wrote a song, I Can See Clearly. I Can See Clearly. Now, that's why I wrote a song about that a long time ago. Yeah. He wasn't even writing a spiritual song, but it's got a good principle to it. If you're going to walk with the Lord, you need to be able to see You don't need to have vision that all fogged up and you can't see where the Lord is trying to take you. And look at verse 7. He said, night is the time when people sleep and drunkers, drinkers get drunk. <laughs> night is the time. Now don't look at that as physical night. Because like I said, now back, that really probably was true. Because these folks didn't want to be seen in the daytime so they just wait tonight. Now, 24-7. You know, certain places still all night now. You can get drunk in the daytime. Amen. So we just got to say, hey, you can't get drunk. I don't want to limit this thing tonight because the well, pastor said night. It's 7 o'clock in the morning. So I can start my day off with a bang. Bam. No. 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 You don't need that to start your day off. Look at verse 8. He says, but let us, somebody say let us. That's pastor included. Let us who live in the light be clear-headed, 
now that we in the light and our mind is clear, then he says, you got to be protected by the armor of faith, love, and wearing our helmet, the confidence of our salvation. So now you see faith, hope, and love kind of working together there. He says, now look, you got to, in this process of living in, this, in the light, you got to live by faith. You can't allow your faith to wean while you're trying to live and represent God in the earth. You're going to have to walk by faith and not by sight. You're going to have to trust God in this journey that you're on so that when things come in your life, you don't throw away your faith. You're in a battle. You're in warfare. So therefore, in warfare, you're going to have to have faith to believe that you can win the war. If you don't have the faith to believe that you can win the war, you're a desert. So therefore, he said, now look, as you go through this, you've got to be protected by the armor of faith, and then you've got to know, hey, I've got to have my love intact too. Because I've got to know that God loved me, I love him, and it, you know, his best interest, he don't want nothing to happen to me bad. So therefore, because God loved me, then I'm going to respond back to him with love, and certain things that this old body want to do, I'm not going to do it because I love God too. I love the Lord too much. Then I've got to be wearing the helmet. Now you know the helmet protects your mind, your head, where your brain's at. Because he's saying here, you've got to wear the helmet with confidence, with the confidence of your salvation. In other words, if you say you're saved, if you say that you have given your life to Jesus Christ, you can't let nobody steal that from you. No matter what they come at you with, no matter what they say, how they come, you got to have the confidence. Look here, I'm saved all the way to Jesus come back. I'm not going to wake up tomorrow morning and feel like I done lost my salvation. I'm not sure if I'm saved. I don't know. Did I do something last night? No, I, I got confidence to know that, hey, I'm saved all the way that he come back. And if anybody asks me, am I going to heaven? Oh, yes, no doubt in my When you don't have that type of confidence, somebody can start you to doubting, and then you don't know what you're supposed to be doing, when you're supposed to be doing, all because your confidence has been shaken. It ain't nothing like a soldier whose confidence, you're on the front line and your, and your gun don't misfire once or twice, and you don't lost. You can't lose your confidence in the fight. Because if you lose your confidence in the fight, you'll stop fighting and you'll surrender. So I'm confident until Jesus come back, I'm going to be in this fight. And when he come back, salvation is already secure. I have met the criteria to be saved and to spend eternity with him. And nobody going to talk me out of that. And that's got to be your attitude, too, no matter what you go through, no matter what people throw at you, what they bring in your way. You can't say, you got to say with confidence, you ain't going to talk me out of Jesus. You may know more than me. You may be using fancy words, but look here. I just know Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's all I need to know. And I got confidence that that's enough to get me to heaven. Too many people falling away. That's why I'm making the point there. All around us, I'm reading articles and papers about Christians now whose confidence is shaken and they no longer want to stay in the faith. That can't be you. You can't let that happen to anybody in your family and you know the truth. You got to keep them before God in prayer. 
because you know the truth. The light is on. You understand God's ways. You understand him, and you're trying to learn him better and better. So look at verse 9. He says, for God chose. Somebody say, God chose. It was God's choice, Cliff. I had nothing to do with it. All I had to do was accept the fact that he made a decision. What did he choose? God chose to save us. Somebody say, save us. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. God chose to save us through Jesus and not pour out his anger on us. In other words, God ain't mad at me. He already gave Jesus for me, and he made that choice. All I had to do was accept what he did, and therefore I walk around and say, I ain't walking around in fear, because fear have torment. And I am not worried about being tormented because I told you I know I'm going to heaven. I know I'm saved. So therefore, I ain't walking around having no discussion about whether there's hell or there's No, I don't care. Hell can be here today, tomorrow, or any eternity too. But look here, I ain't going there. I don't need to talk about a place I ain't going. I know where I'm going, and I want to focus in on where I'm going. And because I know that, I'm not going to act like I'm not going to live for. He said, man, look, God made a choice, Cliff. He could have chose to punish us anyway. But he made a choice to send Jesus. And once he made that choice to set us free and not be angry at us, I am going against his choice if I let you put me back in bondage when I've been set free. It's God's will for you to be free. He made a choice not to punish you for, based on what you did. Even though we deserved it, he made a... Man, that, that just, that just kind of lit me up the other day when I read it. Say, God chose to save us through Jesus Christ. He, he could have said we're going to keep doing rams and goats. But he chose to do it through Jesus. And so since he chose to do it through Jesus, I ain't going to even discuss it. Worry about no rams and no goats because I already got the choice that he made. God, y'all got to get this and not pour out his anger. So that lets me know. People tell you that this God is a loving God and a merciful God. Yes, he is. But it looks like he can get mad too. We don't like to talk about him getting mad. We do, oh, he just loving, 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 saying, yeah, 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 okay. Mm-hmm. But he, he got a, a little spirit of anger in him too that he can, he can punish some folks. Now, because you know that that anger is in him, guess what, Cliff? That don't put me in fear. Because he chose to save me through Jesus. So he could be the maddest God on earth. I don't care. He ain't mad at me. He may be mad at you, but he ain't mad at Because he chose to let Jesus die for me, and I took the plan that he put out there. So even though he got the potential to get angry, Ain't going to be me. He ain't mad at When he decided to send a boat from heaven down to hit somebody, ain't going to be me. I ain't the guy he's looking for. He looking for somebody else. He ain't looking for me. Because he chose to save me through Jesus. I got Jesus. I'm saved. Why would he hit me with the boat? It just don't make sense. And when you can understand things like that and get the light to come on, you live in a whole different way because I'm not walking around if God is trying to punish 
me. God is trying to get me to live at a whole nother level following the example of his son. Let me go and finish. I ain't got but two more verses. He said, look, Christ died for us. Somebody say us. Us is plural. So that means all y'all here, you, Christ died for all of us. Those of you online, Christ died for you. So that whether you are dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him for So what we got to do? Now that we know that cliff, we know that truth, we got to encourage each other. Because some folk ain't going to believe that, ain't going to receive that right now. Light didn't come on. So we got to keep encouraging them to the light. Come on, to let them know who they are, what, how they represent him and earth. We got to keep encouraging folk to let them know, hey, God is not mad at you anymore. You got Jesus. He's your top cover. God is not mad at you. So he says, encourage each other and build each other up. We got to build each other up spiritually, morally, intellectually. We got to continue to work with one another. And we got to encourage people to... Almost, this is my last time saying the word, though. But we got to encourage people to live... I'm glad y'all filled in the blank right there, Cliff. Hold it. Don't take that out your vocabulary, at least. Don't take it out. You know, Brother Cal... Don't, don't take holy out your vocabulary. Don't think that because you say holy, the whole world going to just fall apart. There ain't no holy in the Bible. Because your book says it's the holy. How can you carry something that you don't want to represent? Even on your phone, they call it the holy Bible. So therefore, we know that that's God's will for us. And therefore, we got to encourage others and build them up. Just, and then Cliff, he said, look, just as you are already doing. So he said, even though, Cliff, you're already doing it, you got to do it even more. Don't look at your journey as if you have arrived until you become like Jesus. While you are striving to live like Jesus, Believe that there is more that you can do. Amen. Amen. Live like there's more that you can do. And if you live like there's more that you can do, then you would live to be more like Jesus. And that's the end game. When you grow up, you ought to want to grow to the fullness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Not Pastor Bolden, not any other person you hold in high esteem, the target that we're trying to grow to is Jesus. So when the question is asked, how are you living? I'm living to be like Jesus. And everything I do, try to be like him. We ain't all there yet. Still make some mistakes. But at least we got the right target that we're shooting at. I ain't trying to be like my favorite hip-hop artist, or my favorite football player, my favorite basketball star. Because once you try to do that, then that person become your model, and you're going to try to be like, some of y'all ain't got no LeBron game. So you ain't even be out there trying to be like him on the basketball court. Just go and shoot your set, set shot and get it over with. You're trying to be like the wrong person. 
I'm trying to tell you, if you can be like Jesus, your life is going to be better. Amen? Tell everybody that you know. Tell your friends and your family. And this is a good time of the year. Thanksgiving is a wonderful opportunity to minister to people about the goodness of the Lord. Don't waste the opportunity during this holiday season. A lot of people who don't even think about Jesus start thinking about good things during Thanksgiving and Christmas. So make this more than just about a nice dinner. But in that dinner time, let the light shine. Let Jesus be seen through you so that you can be a witness to those who you are with during this season. Amen? Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise, if you will. Amen. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. We've got several appeals before we transition in our service. We've got several appeals. Our first appeal is for salvation. If you're here with us today or you're online and you have not made Jesus the, love, the, the Lord of your life, then my first appeal is for you. You're saying, yes, Pastor. I believe that God gave Jesus for me and therefore I want to accept him as my Lord and Savior. Because if I do, I realize that God's wrath and God's anger is no longer aimed at me. So if you're here and you're online and you haven't acknowledged Jesus as far as your salvation is concerned, I want you to please raise your hand. If you're online, just give us a call. 850-862-3899. Someone will answer your call or send us an a instant message of some sort to let us know and we will get in contact with you because we believe that everybody needs to know who Jesus is. He came for the whole world, not just some of the world, but all the world. And it's our job to share the light of Jesus with the world. He told us in his word that you are the light of the world. So he don't expect us to be hid upon the bushel. And so if you're that person today and you're saying, yes, I want to walk in the light I want to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Please raise your hand. If you're online, please send us a message. My second appeal, if you're here and you're looking for a church home, whether you're online or in the house, and the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart and saying that striving for perfecting ministries is the place for you, please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. If you're online, again, you can give us a call here at the church and we will get back in touch with you. See no hands? My third appeal is for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you're here, you may have never been taught about the Holy Spirit and how you operate in believers, but you want to know more about that gift. Again, it's up to you. God is not going to force you to receive something that you don't want. But we do have literature that we can share with you, we have minister that will minister to you. If that is you and you want to know more about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. Then my final appeal is for prayer time. If you would like to, you can stand at your seat. Or you can remain seated. But I ask that you will focus your heart and your mind on on the Lord and open your hearts up to receive what he is trying to say to you. 
You may have a prayer concern. You may have a praise report. You may want to just intercede for someone else that you know. Just like Paul was interceding for the church, you have the same capability to intercede for friends and family that the Lord placed on your heart, that they will come into the knowledge and understanding of who God is. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, we honor you and give you thanks again. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you for the example that we have in your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, God, for the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And God, right now, we just ask that as we continue to navigate our way through life, that you will lead us by your Spirit. Because, God, if we're led by your Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of our flesh. And so, therefore, God, we come to say, help us to live to be more like Jesus. Help us to look to him for our example. Help us to imitate him in all that we do. God, we thank you for each and every person that is here today. You know their hearts. You know their concerns. You know their petitions. And God, I just pray that you would incline your ear down and hear them right now. God, because you said in your word that when the righteous cry out, you hear them and answer their cry. So right, God, right now, God, I say answer your people's prayers. Let them know that you are faithful, God, that you are merciful, God, and that you are loving, God. And God, for those that know that you're speaking to their heart and giving them an opportunity to go out and be that light in the midst of darkness. God, when that opportunity comes, either today or tomorrow, before the week's out, they're going to have that opportunity. And God, I pray now that their spirit will be sensitive to that moment in time, that they will see that as a divine moment, and they will not let it pass them by, because somebody's life could be in the balance. So God, I pray that you give us the boldness and the courage that we need to live for you in the earth and represent your son and you in all that we do. Because our chief desire, God, is to honor you with our lives. And we thank you in advance for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise, if you will. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Okay, right now, we got a couple things that's going to happen at the end of service today, so we're going to transition through some of them. Later on, we're going to have a, a baptism ceremony. We've got several people that are going to be baptized today, so we ask.